You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast, featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Welcome to the FDNY Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Battalion Chief Brian Mulry. We often talk about roof rope rescue as being an option of last resort. It's the most practiced and least performed evolution on the fire ground, where firefighters tied to a rope descend to pick up their victims and then lower themselves to safety. It's a dangerous and dramatic rescue. The factors that go into deciding to perform one is often made quickly and decisively by members who are well-trained in the evolution. As is often the case, firefighters from different companies come together to execute the rescue. Today we have two members that did just that by performing a life-saving rope rescue to save a child at a fire in Washington Heights last September 2020, earning them well-deserved medals at this year's Medal Day ceremony held in June. I'd like to welcome to the studio Firefighter Abe Miller, Ladder Company 23, and Firefighter Jairo Sosa from Ladder Company 34. Welcome, guys. Thank Thanks. you. Great Thanks to be here. Us. All right. I appreciate you coming down. We always start off, get a quick bio from both of you. Jairo, we'll start with you. Sure. I got on the job in 2014, December 2014. I got out of public school in May 2015, went right to Ladder 34 truck. Uh, for me, it's about the same thing. I got on December of 2015, got out of probie school in May and went straight to Ladder 23. As you guys know, we discussed this operation in depth in a previous podcast. It was uh, episode 62 for any of our members of the audience who haven't heard it yet. You know, if you go out there on the internet and just search uh, FDNY box 1675, you'll have video that goes along with it and shows the job and that and the podcast together, it's kind of a good drill. But to recap, there was a lot happening at this early morning fire. Multiple people were trapped on the top floor, the floor above the fire. It was a six story residential building. One of whom was trapped was a five year old girl that you guys rescued. Hiro, I think you said you were the first two-roof firefighter on the roof that day? Yes, I was the first two-roof firefighter that day. As we pulled up in the company, we saw a fire blowing out the fifth-story window, and we saw people trapped on the floor above on the sixth floor. The OV and the chauffeur put the area up to the sixth floor to go rescue those members. I went to the adjoining on the, on the fourth side, went up, and went over. Nice. Did you get up on the fourth side also? Yes, the, the stick was being used, like uh, Hyro said, firefighter Matt McCurdy. And, yeah, and, no, they uh, had immediate rescues Yeah, on they the had front. immediate rescues going on, so. Right. Was there a reason why you guys both picked the fourth side? I'm trying to think back to the building. Was there, was there a, a... Two side, I, I don't think It didn't think look like it matched side, up was, or something? No, it didn't line no. up. It was, okay. I think it was more like a taxpayer on the two side or something. Yeah, oh, that, it didn't line okay. up. No. Yeah. Before we pulled up, they actually, the SIDS was actually wrong. It was a wrong building. Originally, it was a fifth-story building we had for the SIDS. When we pulled up, it was actually a six-story so that changed our perspective. I had to look around and I saw that foresight was the yeah. better option. Yeah, yeah. For our audience that doesn't know, you mentioned SIDS. That's our critical information dispatch system. Just gives us some building information. It's about four lines of information, what to expect from the building, if it has any special features or anything like that. All right, so you get up there. I went across the fire grounds. Mm-hmm. I did my perimeter on the foresight. I didn't see anything towards the bulkhead. I opened the bulkhead, and I heard somebody yelling at the top of their lungs. Would you hear it coming from the shaft? Or you heard it from, I heard it from you, the foresight oh, shaft. Yeah. But I wasn't sure if it was this building or somewhere else. Yeah, sure. I just heard screaming from somewhere. Okay. Uh, at that point, as I was looking around, firefighter Abe Miller showed up, and I asked Abe, Abe, somebody screaming out the window. I can't find them. Help me look for this person. Like I said, I also took the uh, foresight. As I'm coming over the foresight, I could see smoke pushing out of the shaft on the fourth side. Uh, why don't you tell, explain a little bit about the shaft. Is it, was it an open shaft? Was it a small enclosed shaft? It was an open shaft. It's just for some of our audience who don't know, these old buildings, these brick buildings were built with shafts to bring in air and light, essentially. Right. Some of them are enclosed, they're smaller, 
a worse situation. Worse situation. If but sometimes, the, yeah, the bigger ones, a little more room to, and to operate also. Absolutely. So you got up to the roof, you, you saw the open shaft, and you heard people screaming also, correct? I heard people screaming, and uh, I saw a firefighter Sosa walking back from the bulkhead, and we just had a conversation. We just heard, like, these... Um, just blood-curdling screams. I'm like, yo, you hear that? And he's like, yeah, we got to search. We got to search. Yeah, middle and of the night, dark. Middle of the night, 4.30 in the morning, dark. Second fire of the night. Second fire of the night. And, uh, I know. We went through this already, the first <laughs> podcast. 16th Battalion. No I won't get into it, but go ahead. So uh, <laughs> it just so happened that luckily, like almost right where I was standing, being that I was coming over the fourth side, I happened to look over the side of the buildings, through the smoke, just saw like a little person's hands on the window guards and their hands were just like out the window. And it's a bathroom window, right? It was a bathroom window, narrow bathroom window. Tiny. Yeah. And we just lined that up with the screams and Yeah. And from there we just I called Soso over just to confirm what I'm seeing because I'm like yeah. no this way. This is immediate. Like this happened the second you oh, guys second. got to the room. Yeah, right. right. The second, yeah. So yeah. Just like like seconds almost. Like I'm yeah. and we both confirmed it and we were like, yo, we gotta go. We just All right. So you did your initial venting, right? You said you got the bulkhead? Yes, I got the bulkhead. Okay. Hyro bought the KLSR, you know, the newer rope. And like, like he said earlier, it came over as a different address. It came over as 505 West 158 for fire on the top floor. And so in my mind, as I'm rolling up Broadway, I'm preparing. I brought the saw. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about cutting. You know, I'm going to cut over the fire. We might have to do this. That. You know, I'm going through the whole scenario of cutting where I'm going to cut. But when I got off the rig, I looked up, and like Hyro said, I saw it. It's like, oh, no, this is a different building. It's, it's, it's on the fifth floor, and, you know, it's a six-story building. It's not and that a, just changed your procedure. Right, for, it just changed your procedure. Top floor job but, and your tool assignment. But I, I still brought the saw just because there was so much smoke chugging out of the top floor. <laughs> I'm thinking it, it might be in the If it's not floor. there, it's, it, yeah. If it, yeah, yeah, you it's know, going so. there. Now you got a shaft. You got to line it up. You, somebody's going over. So when we knew we had somebody showing out the window, we knew we had to go over. I showed Miller the rope. He's never seen that rope before. I said, no problem. You're going to go over. But before you go over, I have to just look around the area and make sure I can find something to tie off to. Unfortunately, at the time, we, I couldn't find anything to tie off to. The area was being used for rescues in the floor below. There was nothing substantial that I could see close by that I could tie off to and just send Abe over. So at the time, I just look at Abe and say, I'm just going to clip on. I'm going to clip onto you. I'm going to find somewhere just to settle down, put a halligan down, straddle a pipe, and put all your weight on it, see if I move. If I'm not moving, just go get the person, because it looks like this little kid's about to be pushed out the window. And that's how quickly it was. It was so quick that Abe was like, just tell the chief we're going to go over. And I said the transmission, I told chief, we're setting up a roof rope rescue. We have a baby showing out the window. Uh, we're going over. Yeah, it's super important for the chief to know that too. Like yeah. something that could get lost in the in the mix too, right? It's an important transmission, but the priority is to get over. But it was, that was definitely helpful to let them know out in the street what's going on. Yeah, and it was it was very quick from the minute we saw the baby to by the time Abe over. It probably wasn't even more than three minutes. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it probably was like maybe it probably was like three minutes from the time you made your transmission to the time we were down on the ground. Yeah. I think it was around like three minutes oh, or so. Right. I mean, All right, so he made his transmission. You straddled the parapet? Yeah, I just straddled the parapet. I was just trying to stay in contact with the victims, but, and then- It had one, to be a lot of heavy smoke condition in there. Yeah, it was a lot of smoke pushing. I think 84, they probably started hitting the fire at that time, so probably it started just a little more smoke 
just started coming up. Yeah. My main concern at that point was just we were concerned that the baby was going to get pushed, thrown out the window in a panic. So I just grabbed one side of the parapet and just put all of my weight on the rope. I was like leaning over. And, um, you know, we, it wasn't the best scenario, but, you know, it's never perfect. Is it going to be? Yeah. We just did. Like we you said, it happened. Happened like that. Yeah. Happened like that. So once I was leaning over, I had one hand on the parapet holding the anti-chafing device. Yeah. And one side just leaning over. I didn't move. And I said, okay, I'm ready. Then I just roll. started yelling, down, down, down. And you guys were able to hear, did, didn't somebody come in and uh, assist at that? Was it at that yeah, point? Fire, or? Fire, it, well, it was, or was it maybe a little late? Because you, you were at the, at the window for a bit. Yeah, right? I was at the window for a bit. And when I got down to the window, firefighter Bill Gustafson, 23 chauffeur showed up. But at this point, initially, it was, it was just, just myself and Sofa. I just yelled. I was like, stop. I, yeah, and you were able to hear You were able to hear no problem? I was able to hear him. Yeah, yeah. he was yelling loud enough that I could hear well, him perfectly. It, it was also, you know. Sixth floor. Sixth floor. Okay, yeah, yeah, so, it wasn't so that that, that's a good down, thing right? in, in that regard. Like, exactly. if you had to go down to the second or third, it might have been harder to communicate with the, right. without somebody in the middle. Yeah. All right, so then and now you got down to the window. How did it go? We know, we know how we're trained. Yeah, <laughs> I got down to the window, and it was, uh, we trained for it, but when... Yeah. When it's right in your face, man, that uh, it was a little more complicated than I thought it was going to be. I'd imagine a bathroom window, yeah. that alone makes it more complicated. Very narrow bathroom window, and then the child guards halfway through. And the child guards were doing exactly what they're designed to do, keeping the child in, yeah. inside. You know, from there, I was trying to get my hand on her, pull her out. There wasn't much room between the child guard and the upper sash of the window, so... Um, I was at a level where, I, like, if I had to grab her, I would have had to lift her up and pull her out of the window. And then I yelled up to uh, Billy Gustafson and Sosa. I was like, give me, give me two feet, give me two feet. And now I'm a little lower now at that point, so that just made it a little easier. Because with, with the child guards, they're in there so tight. It's like you push on them, you go backwards, you pull on them, you go forward. It's like nothing. They it's were, not the ideal place to be taking they, a child guard on a rope. <laughs> so, yeah, so at that point, I just grabbed, like, wrapped my hand and my arm around the inside of the child guards and just started punching the window and, and telling her, give me the baby, give me the baby. As well, I was telling her to back yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Back up. I was, just, I was just hitting the window with my arm and, like, my elbow. That just gave enough room in the window, so now... I'm reaching in, grabbing her, and grandmother was helping me from the inside, too. So I got her. She just fell into my chest, and I just wrapped her around my arms. I was just telling her, because she was, like, just curled up. I was telling her, you know, how we're trained. Put your arm around my neck, you know, just to have that little extra uh, safety with with the arms around my neck. And once I knew I had her secure, I looked up. I was like, down, down, down. I wanted out. I wanted yeah. to get down. And just <laughs> told the grandmother she was right there. It was just like, stay at the window. Stay right here. Just for her to breathe, I'm just like, stay out the window. We're gonna get you, you know. Yeah, I got into it in the last podcast. How the next guy went down on it. But uh, I, I, mean, I did make that transmission first, actually. Yeah, that's the best actually, part. Actually, I, I that's my about favorite that. part. Yeah. <laughs> so when I got there, and I was like, I was like, holy crap! I'm like, for, for that second, for about like 10 seconds, I was like, I'm, I might not be able to get her, you yeah. know. And that's when I made the transmission to you let him know. Chief Fitzgerald, yeah. let him know, like, yeah, we got a roof rope rescue in progress, but yeah. You know, you know, we we might need a little help. Talk about like act like you've been there before. I go, did he just give a radio transmission on on a rope? <laughs> Uh, that's classic. But that hey, listen, crazy. we train for it, right? We train in proby school, and we yeah. drill on it every week. And right. 
You made it seem like it was, uh, you know. Making that transmission just, just kind of allowed me to regroup, just calm down for Mentally, a second. Yeah. Just relax, take a deep breath, and look at it and just figure it out. And we ended up, it ended up working. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So, Love it. Jairo, you, you talked about the Kermantle rope, and he said he had never seen it before, right? <laughs> I just want to explain to some of our audience, you know, we have a specific uh, roof rope evolution. Some companies are trained in the Kermantle rope. Maybe you just give us a brief overview of that. The biggest difference of the rope is just you're not tied into the rope anymore. There's no longer a person tied into the rope. And it's almost like a PSS device where you have to hit a, a switch to open and close the device, to open and close and lower the rope. Right. So it's a little easier in a way that it's, you know which end of the rope to tie off to, which end to give to the person. But in the center, you connect to the device that opens and lowers the rope. It's very different than our old rope, where we just tie off to it and we hold it in one hand and we feed it through mm-hmm. our, 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 our devices. But this one, you're not feeding anything. You're just opening it and closing it. It is a pretty amazing piece of rope, which I, in my opinion is a lot safer because you could open the device and if you have an issue or anything, you could lock it right away and you know that person's not going anywhere. You could let go of your hands and the rope is not moving. So that's a very good device, especially in this roof rope situation where Abe needed more help. He might have had to just hold on there on that window for who knows how long until she was able to get that baby. It's good that if anything happened to me, because I wasn't, I wasn't tied off to anything, I could just let go of the rope and he would be perfectly fine. So uh, that's, that's one great. of the big advantages here. Well, listen, I can't imagine a better test for a pilot program than <laughs> you guys put it through. Right? Whoever picked you guys to be a, a pilot company did a good job. Yeah, and in our company, we trained a lot on it. Actually, yeah. even the week before, we were in, in the fire academy training on the rope. And we actually lowered ourselves numerous times and even told ourselves, what happens if we can't find a central object? How do we do this? What do we do? Yeah. So even when the situation came up with me and Abe, it wasn't that I wasn't unsure of that it would work. I knew exactly it would work because we had just tested that same rope the week before. Yeah. So it was more, uh, Abe, you trust me? I got you. Yeah. You know, you're going to see it, but I got you. He was Go confident. I, I didn't like the setup, <laughs> I, honestly, but he was just so you calm. Questions. He was just like, he was just like, yo, like, he's like, yo, don't worry, I got you. Yeah. I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm trying to Not what you want to see when you're like, right. Right, you've been training since probably school on this one, all of a sudden you're going yeah. over, you're like, what is like, that? Get closer to the parapet, the parapet. He's like, no, 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 you're good, I got you. I'm like, all right. Man. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, that's also a testament to our training. You know, you said Absolutely. how many times you guys have been lowered on that pilot program. And yeah, we've been turned lower constantly. Your training does it right, so I'm, I'm not oh, surprised yeah. you were out a few days uh, prior drilling on it, you know. Yeah, we do it every time in the firehouse, every Monday, Tuesday, constantly training on it. I, you know, again, not being 100% familiar with the current mantle rope, I know we have uh, specific options where to tie off, and I, I know for sure that, you know, burying a halligan and tying off to yourself is not your first choice, but... Uh, no, it wasn't my first choice. <laughs> So we train what to do when we have no substantial objects. If we have a substantial object with different types of substantial objects, if we have more people, no people. And we also trained on, if we don't find anything, we just have to clip onto ourselves. So we train many different ways just in case we have to right. send somebody over. Yeah, you got all, all the options available to you. It was a great job. And, uh, you know, for your efforts, Abe, you were presented with the Chief of Department, Peter J. Gansey Jr. Medal, named for our Chief of Department that died in the line of duty on September 11, 2001. That's the highest medal we give. And Hiro, you get the John H. Prentice Medal. For extreme bravery displayed during the daring rescue of a young child trapped by fire, the Chief of Department Peter J. Gansey Jr. Medal and New York State Honorary Fire Chiefs Association Medal is awarded to firefighter Abraham Miller, ladder 23, the Vinegar Hill Gang.
for his teamwork, professionalism, and outstanding implementation of his training to save the life of a child and protect the life of his fellow firefighter. The John H. Prentice Medal is awarded to Firefighter Hiro Sosa of Ladder 34, where Harlem meets the heights. It must have been an amazing day. I want to get into that and hear a little bit about how it all went down, what it meant to you. Tell us a little bit about the day. Uh, medal day was actually a little surreal. It doesn't hit you to actually getting a medal till you get there, and you're like, wow, actually getting a medal for something we did on the job. You know, be acknowledged that we actually did our best is a pretty uh, amazing thing. And uh, especially my family, they understand how big of a deal it was, especially to the department, to our firehouses, that we actually uh, got medals for this event. That roof rope rescue hasn't been done in a long time. I'm pretty happy, pretty impressive, and um, I'm glad. My family was pretty shocked. It's like, wow, this is, this is a big yeah, deal. Had to be, uh, yeah. And for the firehouse as well. Oh, yeah, the firehouse loved it. They were ecstatic over the roof. That's what it's about. Yeah. You know, they should. You know. How about you, Abe? Yeah, same thing. It was definitely surreal. I mean, I heard rumors and rumblings that, oh, you might get the, the Gansy about it. Until I saw it on paper, I was like, yeah, I wasn't even going to even think about it. And to get it, is, you know, it was an absolute honor. Absolute honor to get the award named after a guy like yeah. that. But still, it just felt weird even getting the medal just for, you know, just going up there and doing our jobs. It was a great day, man. It was- Had so, your whole family there with you? Yeah, my whole family was there. And my family got to meet Hyro's family. We took some great pictures and whatnot, and, you know, got to, you know, be up there with Chief Richardson and Nigro and to meet them, have a conversation with them for a little bit. It was just, uh, it was surreal. It was absolute honor. And it was just a great feeling uh, walking off the stage and looking up and seeing my, my whole company up there going nuts. That was like the, the best part of the day for me. Yeah, yeah, it's big so, for the firehouse. And yeah. It's a great tradition, really, and uh, I'm glad you were working. It yeah. seems like uh, you're gonna have a great story to tell. And for me, one of the best things is just looking at my, me and Abe have little kids, so looking at our kids and being like, wow. Yeah. You know, we saved a girl's life and hopefully, if God forbid ever happens, we have a fire in my building, somebody comes and saves my daughter's lives, you know, yeah. no matter what they have to do. You know, so it's just uh, it just hit me hard. That, yeah, well, I said it's a you know, moment. Yeah. this is what you get paid to do. Right. Yeah. It's a really impressive operation overall, and there's nothing but a success all around. Long stretch, '84. They put out a lot. They did of fire. a great job at Squad that. Squad 41. Yeah. Everybody, you know, it was yeah. just 34 truck going rescue people from the front. Almost a textbook operational. Yeah, really. Yeah, no, it was. And, you know, our department is steeped in tradition and honor, and Medal Day really ex exemplifies just that. Maybe you could explain a little bit of what it was to be honored for this rescue. It's one thing you hear about firefighters' work, but once you get on the job, it's so much different than what you expect. It's a lot more training, a lot more work. And we drill on so many things constantly for so many different emergencies. You don't ask for these emergencies, but you prepare for them constantly, day in, day out. And... Over the years, I've been just training, training, training on roof rope rescues, cutting roofs or car accidents, fires, many Subway. different things, yeah, subways, everything you could think of that could be an emergency. We've been training constantly, constantly, constantly. And when the roof rope rescue came, we were prepared. We knew what we had to do. We knew wherever situations happened, we were ready just to do our best. And the metal just simplifies that for our firehouse that we worked so hard that they trained us so hard that from senior firefighters to newer probies just constantly training that it just shows that our work paid off that we were able to rescue a child and it just followed the traditions of all the others that came before us that we keep the tradition of the firehouse alive that we keep the standards and the 
and the excellence of what they require. And we we followed that tradition. Yeah, company pride. 1823, another firehouse. Uh, 1823 is just um, a house rich in tradition. These firehouses have been here for well over 100 years. Yeah, in business every day. In business every day. Since the day I walked through the door, the tradition of the house, not only the house, the tradition of Harlem has been pounded into us that until we get it. Like this is 80 and 23, this is Harlem. You're lucky to work here and don't take it for granted. I never thought I'd be getting the Peter J. Gancy Jr. medal. And just to think of the company that we're in, even even with the Roof Road Rescue, the company that, that we're in, you, you look at some firefighters that did what we did, they're known as legends of the job. And just in the company of even like the Gordon Bennett, the firefighters that won that, so we're in great company. And also just to hear the story from the, uh, the thanks and the gratitude that the grandmother and the little girl had for us. They actually stopped by Father's Day. I wasn't working, but they stopped by the firehouse and they just, you know, they have so much love for us and so much love for the, for the FDNY. And um, the job is, is, I can honestly say that it's the best decision I've ever made in my life, taking that job and deciding to become a firefighter. And, the most impressive thing is we can go from just sitting here talking to snap your fingers and next thing you know we're crawling down a hallway. But you can never get big headed though even with winning these medals because this job has a, has a way of humbling you and making you humble because no matter how in shape you are, no matter how much you train, there's always going to be a situation where it just throws you for a loop and you're you know, back to square one. So. And that's where the teamwork part comes in. You Absolutely. Know? Yeah. I appreciate you guys coming down. I want to congratulate you again. You guys did a great job. You made the department look good. Your companies look good. Hopefully we'll cross paths out in the field soon. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. It's our pleasure. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of the FDNY Pro Podcast. For more training and information from our subject matter experts, go to FDNYPro.org. FDNY Pro is online at FDNYPro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. Twenty-four hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us, to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to fdnyfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.